Hello and welcome to part two of episode four of the Carbon Neutral Lent podcast. So if you haven't listened to part one, we were discussing how the tree planting went and recapping on some of the stuff we learned about food in episode three. And now we're going to be going on to measuring the footprint of our clothes. So we're going to talk about it this week. We're going to do it during the week and then report back and then report back next week on the carbon footprint of our clothes. Yeah. Who knew that clothes could have a footprint? So to measure the footprint of our clothes, we're going to only be looking at clothes that we've bought in the last two years. So I think anything older than two years, we've had them long enough that sort of a little bit of the footprint has been used up every day that we can not worry about them. Interesting. Sorry, I'm just, I really quickly started thinking what clothes that I'd bought and I was like, was that in two years? That um, yeah, time? so just, 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 just have a rough guess if you're not sure. So what we're going to do is we're going to get all the clothes that we've bought in the last two years, separate them up into, separate them up into the different materials they're made from and then weigh them. Okay. And then we'll have a figure for carbon footprint of each material and then calculate the total carbon footprint and then divide it kind of by however many days are in two years okay. and then you'll have a daily footprint for each of those and then multiply by the number of days in Lent. Um, Dara and his maths. He loves his maths. It's good. So, yeah. So it'll be, it'll be your best it'll be your best guess and it's just kind of to point it out and to be honest I'm feeling pretty good about this I know you're very happy over there yeah <laughs> not about the maths no I'm feeling pretty good in that my I think my footprint's going to be pretty low for this <laughs> yes it is I'm yeah yours is yeah yours is mine won't be as low I don't think have you bought a lot in the last two years would you say I wouldn't say a lot but there's things that are just popping into my head that I'm like oh I got that I got that um, not a crazy amount, but I was in Marks and Spencers there, and lads love a bit of Marks and Spencers, on the sales. It was up. I was up north, and it was all pounds and on sale. And I was like, I'm winning. So I kind of went a bit mad that day, but um, no, it sh- it should be. I th- I'm not. I'm not too worried. I think I'm okay. I yeah. think I started. I kind of a while back. I heard about this whole, you know, fashion. Some I was over in Edinburgh. And there's a girl who's really into fashion and she told me about, and I told, oh yeah, this is it. I was like, oh, I'm really into the environment, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And that's how I start conversations. And um, she was like, well, you do know, uh, she was like, you do know fashion has a huge thing to do with it. And I was like, no. And uh, so she started telling me about all the fashion, about like how just the production of things. And she didn't really get go into too detailed, but she was just, she just said to me, I was like, look, what can I do to help? And she was like, look, you can just go to charity shops and go to swap shops and this girl was really trendy really into fashion and i was really surprised because i was like oh i thought because you're so into fashion you'd be like oh let's buy all the latest brands uh, but she wasn't so that's just a little story about how i heard about it so i think i haven't been that bad because of that person and fair play to them for talking about it and telling me because she could have just kept her mouth shut and said nothing do you know what i mean and that's another thing we want to point out is that you should talk about things because ever yeah. since then fair play to her um yeah so um and kind of like our epi- our last episode on food, fashion is much much bigger than so complex. than the carbon footprint alone, um, and so to kind of delve through the environmental 
issues and problems and solutions mm-hmm. um, and alternatives associated with fashion. I got in touch with Geraldine and Taz at Sustainable Fashion Dublin to have a little chat and we'll start and they start off just by telling us a bit about what they do and why they're doing it. Yeah, so we set up Sustainable Fashion Dublin as kind of a, a way to show people how easy it can be to engage in sustainable fashion. And um, the fast fashion industry is considered one of the most polluting industries in the world. And we're kind of becoming only now are we are we really becoming aware of the of the negative fact negative effects of the fast fashion industry so we set up sustainable fashion Dublin to kind of counteract that and to show people just like I said that it's easy and possible and cost effective to engage with sustainable fashion so we organize events around sustainable fashion be it swap shops charity shop crawls upstarting workshops all those kind of things that um that aim to aim to educate people on the alternatives to fast fashion yeah but also we're really passionate about doing so in like a fun and lighthearted and positive way because it's easy to feel a little bit downtrodden and like the world is coming to an end when you look at all the facts that are going on and all the horrible effects um, of the fast fashion industry. So instead of kind of being overly preachy or, you know, giving out to people about their current habits, we want to provide a positive alternative and look on the bright side, so to speak. Brilliant. Fair play to you. <laughs> and uh, and how how exactly do you do that then? What kind of things do you do to to uh, to engage people in a sort of positive way? Yeah, so exactly. It's the, We'd be hosting swap shops. So that, that whole thing is just people come, they bring up to five items of clothing, they hang them up, and then we do kind of like a countdown and everyone gets a chance to take one item of clothing and then we'll do another countdown, three, two, one, and they can take another item of clothing. So essentially... They're paying about ten euro for a ticket, and for that um, price of the ticket, they'll largely come away with up to like three new items of clothing, and they'll only accept really good quality clothes. So it's a really, well, it's a fun way as well to meet like-minded people, but also kind of ups, up, or va- revamp your wardrobe and kind of va va boom it up. Is what we describe it as um, on the cheap, um, and so it's a really fun way. To, for doing it as well and then another one another event that we kind of our first event that we ran and we've ran multiple of them since um our charity shop crawl so that kind of is what it says in the tin we bring a group of you know 15 or so people around a charity shop trail of dublin and we plan to them in different cities in ireland down the line but um just to show people the secondhand clothing that's available and um, available for in a cost-effective way and it's right available at your fingertips especially in somewhere like dublin there are countless charity shops and um, because um, what the fast fashion industry is kind of promoting is is the fact that clothes are disposable, that you can have an item of clothing, wear it a finite number of times and then throw it out. So the charity shop crawls really encourage people to look at, look at what's already out there and not purchase new all the time. And um, some of the stark facts are that um, 60% of clothing ends up in a landfill or an incinerator within one year of being made. So by shopping secondhand, by swapping your clothes, by purchasing from a charity shop, you are extending the life of that item of clothing, and that is essentially the solution. So that's kind of what we're all about. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, so just you kind of start, you know, kind of delved into just how how bad fast fashion is, and I guess how fast fast fashion is. Um, we yeah. we're we're kind of learning a lot of stuff as we go along, and we've heard that fashion is one of of the most polluting industries 
Um, so what kind of what is it exactly that makes it so bad from from an environmental point of view? Yeah, I mean, from an environmental point of view, it's pretty apocalyptic at, at times. Um, so it's basically, I mean, the, the industry itself is wreaking havoc on entire ecosystems, crippling local economies, polluting the water, damaging um, the health of entire communities all over the world at a scale never before seen. Um, it's pretty scary. Like, I mean, it's, the waste management is a big issue. Um, factories are just dumping their the toxins they use to, say, dye clothes. Um, or the fertilizers and pesticides that they're using to grow the crops and the plants, um, they're they're not managing this waste correctly and sustainably and ethically. And that means that these toxins are leaching into the soil and the surrounding water systems of the areas in which they're producing um, the fabrics and making the clothes. And it's just the effect it's having on areas. You just take a look at the um, Aral Sea, um, for an example. I don't know if you know, but it's in um, Uzbekistan. And it was the fourth largest lake um, in the world up until, say, the last 10 years. And slowly but surely, it has just completely depleted and um, to the extent that it's pretty much just a barren wasteland right now. And it used, as I said, it was the fourth largest um, lake in the world. And it's because it was surrounded by cotton um, factories that were just dumping. Well, first of all, they're because cotton is a really thirsty plant. People don't realize. I mean, it, it seems like cotton is a clean plant or a natural, but actually, when it's not manufactured correctly and ethically, um, it can cause havoc on local communities because it requires so much water to grow. Um, but that means that it puts a huge strain on local water systems and water infrastructure in some way. Because the thing about uh, non-organic cotton. It needs a lot of pesticides and fertilizers. So most of our clothing, most of it is cotton, which would be um, a non-organic cotton, um, which takes a hell of a lot of pesticides and fertilizers, and that leaches into the soil and the surrounding areas. And if we're not using cotton, um, what's now an increasing um, material that's used in the fast fashion industry is polyester. Um, if you look on the label of your clothing, any if you look on the label of most clothing in any fast fashion houses, be it H&M, Pennings, wherever it may be, you'd be guaranteed to see some polyester there. And what people don't know is that polyester is, in fact, a highly pollutant plastic. It is 100% plastic. As it is plastic, it's an extremely carbon-heavy production to actually make the material. So from the very early stages of polyester in its production to actually just make it a material, the carbon footprint is absolutely immense. And um, from that point, the polyester has to be um, made into a T-shirt and then, of course, transported to somewhere like Ireland. And the worst thing about polyester is once the, once the, the carbon footprint has been already set in its production, it only gets worse. And um, polyester is not made to last. If it's, if it's poor quality polyester, it's not made to last. But the thing about polyester is that it's, it's non-biodegradable. So every item of polyester clothing that has ever been made is still around today, which is kind of hard to even comprehend. And then again with polyester, because it's a plastic, every time you wash polyester, it leaches microplastics into our into our water system. So polyester is this increasing fabric that is really it's horrific. It's a terrible, terrible, terrible material and fabric. So that's just cotton and polyester. So Okay, and what what about say other <laughs> other other materials that are is there any mater- material that's kind of that you can be kind of rest assured that apart from saying... Or, or organic organic cotton would be 
the most renewable resource, the most renewable material at the moment, cotton, organic cotton and organic linen. The thing about cotton and linen as well, so cotton, even if it's um, non-organic, it's biodegradable, which is one thing, but organic cotton is 100% biodegradable and obviously it doesn't have any pesticides or fertilizers either. So organic cotton understandably doesn't have as high a yield because it's not using uh, fertilizers or pesticides. So organic cotton is understandably more expensive, yeah. but organic cotton is, is what we need to be looking out for. There's also hemp, but it might be a bit cheaper if you're getting that in certain like hemp pants. I don't know if that'd be very comfortable. So the thing is, um, nylon and polyester, if it's good quality nylon or polyester, that it could be made out of recycled materials. So Patagonia is a really good example. Most of their clothing is polyester and nylon, but it's made from recycled materials. And what's more, because it's made from recycled materials and it's of good quality, it can further be recycled into into other materials down the line. So nylon and polyester absolutely have their places and they are able to be recycled an infinite amount of time if they are good quality polyester or nylon. So if you're going into pennies and you're seeing polyester, that's not the same as if you're going into Patagonia and you're seeing polyester. Which is a case of checking the label, yeah, yeah. I think, is the big thing. Um, yeah, I'm doing a bit of research if you can. There's also a fantastic app called Good On You, and I think it's, it was created by an American, but I think it has like a further meaning as an Irish person, like Good On You. Good, good On You. Yeah. <laughs> it's an app that you can put in a clothing brand, and it will tell you their sustainable practices. It will give them a rating of where they are. So that's a great way to kind of judge whether you should give a shop your money or not. Oh, brilliant. Uh, is it Good On You? It's an app or a website or yeah, both? So, yeah, both. Okay. All right. So just just to just to finish up, then uh, there was sort of quite a lot there, and I think you've touched on touched on uh, touched on loads. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's brilliant. It's brilliant. Um, so if you were sort of to boil it down to sort of you know a few maybe three or four bits of uh, of advice for listeners to kind of take take with them uh, going forward for for um, for shopping uh, more sustainably. Okay. Um, wh- what would your sort of uh, main main take-home points be? Well, I would say the first thing, and this is what I always tell people, and I'm sure you're about it as well, is implementing small changes when possible. We are not about people going going and going home, throwing out all their polyester clothing, switching to veganism straight away, never driving a car or going on a plane ever again. You know, like the solution to this immense climate difficulty that we're going through at the moment. Isn't, isn't a small group of people changing their whole entire life. It's a far uh, wider spreading group of people who are implementing small changes that are going to make a difference. So every month, try to switch something in your life to a more sustainable option. That's what I always say. So even outside of sustainable fashion, you know, one month, if my when my shampoo ran out, I switched to a shampoo bar. The next month, when my deodorant bottle ran out, I switched to a natural deodorant that came in a tin. So switch things regularly but not all at once when possible because sustainability sustainability can be incredibly expensive so you know just do what you can and don't be don't be hard on yourself if you know you use a disposable coffee cup every now and then or if you you know you go into pennies and buy a dress made of polyester for three or because you really really like it it's just implementing 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 small changes when you can yeah Great. So, so from a from a fashion point of view, then, what would you say if people 
Uh, and if you know, if people say have just suddenly become aware of of how bad the fashion industry is, the fast fashion industry, yeah. and they want to start like from zero, um, what kind of steps would you recommend implementing first? So I'm a big believer in that. Like genuinely, the power is in our hands. Okay, so I mean, the power, the purchase power. Decide where it is that you want to give your money to. I mean, what brands do you think are worth your money, and do you want to actually support? And what brands do you not? And try to make active steps towards, you know, decreasing your your purchases in, say, the likes of maybe pennies or shops that you know aren't doing good things in the world of fast fashion and direct it to places like secondhand shops, charity shops and sustainable brands. So really try to be quite conscious with the way you buy your clothes. But then also in the same sense that power is in your hands. I mean, like, call out brands on social media. That's something that they're terrified of. Like, they don't want us drawing attention to the, the terrible things that they're doing. So call them out and it's that, that's a really good way to um, invite change and get the movement um, gathering pace as well. And then on a more on a more kind of local level, um, the opposite of the fast fashion industry is this movement of slow fashion. So literally slow down with your fashion and pick up a needle and thread, learn how to mend what you have, learn to upstyle what you have, learn to work with what you have. And um, I think we're definitely getting back to getting back to kind of caring for our clothes again and not just throwing them out if they have a rip or a button missing. But that's something that anybody listening right now um, can do, can, can learn the basics in sewing. And when you have those basics, it's a lot easier to go into the likes of a, a charity shop and kind of see what can be made out of what's there. Yeah, I think as well, that's something we're really passionate about. It's like, you know, valuing your clothes, recognizing that odds are most of the clothes that are in your wardrobe have caused harm to the, to the environment in some way. They've, you know, contributed to climate change. They, maybe the workers who are making them weren't treated very well. So, you know, recognize that that is probably what your clothes are representing right now. So in valuing them and making them last longer, you're kind of making sure that maybe all that wasn't done so much in vain. Obviously, well, just one thing is we, we really do like uh, supporting the brands that are doing good things. So maybe we could just list out a few brands that are doing really good things in the world of sustainable fashion. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So these are some brilliant Irish brands. So we've got the likes of, um, I, I don't want to like, list them out so fast, but here we go. <laughs> There's Grown, um, Mamuko, the Upcycle Movement, um, Dublin Vintage Factory, Shuppa Ella, the Tweed Project. Brickbear Clothing, Finders Keepers in Ray, um, The New Wardrobe, Jill and Jill as well, and um, of course, St. Vincent de Paul, Oxfam, yeah. all of those charity shops. Reusey is really incredible as well. Nine Crows. Yeah, so I mean, they're really, we're just trying to show like, there really are so many brands doing great things. So it's just a case of, you know, looking it up and just giving it a Google and you'll see them all there and just then supporting them. Brilliant. Great. Thanks. Thanks a million for that. That's been uh, really, really, really insightful. Oh, um, and and fair, fair play to you, like the, the kind of the knowledge and the approach and the, the passion is uh, is great. Great to hear. Oh, thank you. Uh, We're trying our so best. Thanks. Yeah. Fair play. Um, thanks a million. Thanks, sir. Um, and sure. Yeah. All right. See you thanks again to Taz and Geraldine from Sustainable Fashion Dublin. Uh, there was a lot of great information there and a lot of great advice, I felt. Absolutely. And also, I think anybody who is new to hearing that fashion is a huge thing with climate change. There's a really, 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 really good documentary that my sister told me about on Netflix called The True Cost. And it's all to do with the fashion industry. 
it's for, I don't know, an hour and 20 minutes maybe. And it informed me of so much and it gave you kind of a baseline of what's going on. So if that helps anybody before, if they want to watch that, I thought it really helped me. Because I think only then I started to dive into things and you were talking to Sustainable Fashion Dublin. And so you were doing that and I was watching this documentary and kind of trying to look up other brands that were sustainable. And then I think a lot of the advice that Sustainable Dublin had, um, I found that by watching this documentary as well. Cool. I'll definitely check it out. I haven't watched it yet. For me, and maybe it's because I don't buy that much clothes-wise, but this seems like a really manageable thing that I can do really well. Um, yeah, it's definitely... Um, no, their their advice was really, really bang on because what happened was after I looked into it, I, want, I, I started looking online for a white shirt. White shirt, that's all I looked up. I was looking up loads of different white shirts. I got onto Goranya um, and I was trying to find a company that sold a white shirt and it was the biggest rabbit hole I've ever gotten into on the internet. And usually people say like, oh, I was in a rabbit hole. I have no idea what people talked about. Literally so many sites opened looking up are they organic where was it made i was looking up abercrombie and fitch you know jack wills all these companies and another issue that i came up against there is and they brought it up in their podcast which is are in their in their they brought it up in the interview with them is i'm quite petite and not a lot of clothing brands are petite and the main ones that are do small size are like Topshop, um miss selfridge um can't think of anyone's come to mind but they all do petite sizes and they're not ethical so I was like, oh, the people who have the tops I need are not ethical anymore. And then the brands that do are not in my size and are so much more money. And I was just like, oh, the solution they gave was to tailor it. And another thing I really liked, uh, you've already talked about good on you and all that. Um, and it's great that there's an easy source of information for which brands are good and which brands aren't. Yeah. Like, I think the app would be better. I was using it online, the website, but I'd say the app is probably more detailed because a few things, no articles came up for it. So I think get the app. Okay. Uh, and and also just the whole thing that it's, 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 a, it's not necessarily a push against any material in particular, like the way that they said that, oh, there's good polyester and good nylon, mm. that it's kind of the fast fashion thing. And if it's cheap, clothes it's probably going to be cheap polyester and like i really like that about patagonia that they use good nylon and good polyester that's recycled and yeah um yeah um an interesting uh comment they made on the documentary i watched the true cost was that um they said with the, the thing with fast fashion and i think a little bit yeah it was i, I think it was fast fashion they were mainly talking about they were saying um back in the day people didn't have that much money. So when they were buying stuff, they could only buy like, you know, I can only afford one jacket. But then fast, fast fashion made um, it accessible, like, you know, they'd have, I don't know, 10 euro for a jacket or, you know, three euro for a top. And they made the point that like, it fast fashion makes people feel like they have a lot of money because they can buy so much with such little money. So they were saying kind of like, you know, before, you know, you'd 50 euro, you could only buy one thing. But now if you 50 euro, you can buy like 30 things. And they said the mentality behind that was it makes people feel like they have a lot. It makes people feel wealthy um, when it's when it's not at all, um, which I just thought was an interesting psychology behind it. Yeah. And I think I think um, 
Taz and Geraldine touched on that as well when they said that we have on average four times more clothes now than our parents' generation did, which is mad. Yeah. And it does tap into something bigger that um, half of all human emissions have come in the last 25 years, which is just staggering that 50% of all emissions that people have made have have happened in the last 25 years. So that just shows, I think, how much the world has changed. Like, fashion's just one little example of that, that we all have way more stuff clothing-wise in the Western world. Also, food-wise, we're just eating so much more and there's so many more types of food available. Electronics, which we'll be talking about at some stage, has a huge carbon footprint um, and they're so readily available. The amount of travel we do... um, and and just probably the amount of electricity we use as well so it's really that's just a really staggering fact taken from david wallace wells the author of the uninhabitable earth which is a book that i haven't read but he kind of talks about what will happen if we get to two degrees of warming or three degrees or four degrees um and there's also just before you go past the point of like this really big increase in um producing food and fashion and clothes and cars and electronics electronics on this documentary I was watching again it was like there's been a huge link with unhappiness as well um so that's just interesting as well because again this uh, this feeling of um yeah this feeling of having so many things going so many places having to be you know having things owning things and that happiness has just gone down a bit which again and yeah (laughs) you know it's hard I mean we started this we started this podcast to just talk about our own carbon footprint mm. and it's really hard to stay small and focused like it's yeah. so true once you start looking into into <laughs> into climate change and that taps into other industries and that yeah. taps into our lifestyle and it's all connected and uh yeah <laughs> sorry guys we're trying to keep it small but it is just such a big issue and everything's so tied together um and and I suppose just that one thing, you know, the way we were talking about food being, um, food being, you know, that you might have to spend a little bit more to get stuff that's sustainable. Actually, buying secondhand clothes is actually better for the environment and it's cheaper, yeah. which is a really nice, uh, a really nice thing. And just I guess if you know, changing, changing maybe to buy less stuff and buy better stuff. Um, so a huge, huge thank you again to to Taz and Geraldine for some great food for thought. And we'll be getting back to you next week on how we got on measuring the carbon footprint of our clothes and explaining maybe the maths behind that a bit more. Uh, do you know what I think it's time for? Some news. Some, yeah, some news. Some what kind of news? I'd say it's better than good news. I'd say it's time for some great news. Um, So we've had a lot of movement here in Ireland in the government uh, in terms of tackling climate change on a national scale. Uh, So a couple of great things um, is that the Committee on Climate Action has signed off on its report on how to turn the state into a climate leader. Um, Excellent. They're going to be leaders. Uh, so as a country, we're planning on being leaders on climate action. Excellent. For who? For all the world? For all the world. Y- yeah, yeah. Um, 
so the report kind of built on the Citizens' Assembly report, which we have tried to talk about for so many weeks and haven't managed it, but basically the same uh, the same citizens that came up with the recommendations for the... Um, for the repealing of the eighth, yeah, and yeah. the and the legislation that will come in afterwards, mm-hmm. also met to discuss climate change, and they uh, met for a couple of weekends and got the chance to speak with experts on climate change and also hear from different opinions of Irish citizens and groups on climate change, and and once they had gotten all the information and full um idea of what of what was going on uh the proposals they came up with were really really progressive so 81 percent were in favor of a carbon tax um people were in favor of reducing agricultural emissions um and of supporting farmers financially to reduce their carbon emissions um and lots of other things yeah and it's important as well to we like we probably said it back in back in the past that the people who are chosen for the citizens assembly have been taken from a range of people in ireland it was 100 people and they were across different ages different backgrounds different cultures and all this so it's um it wasn't just one grouping that they were talking to yeah it so was yeah so it was a representative sample of the whole of the whole country 80 percent of the members said they'd be willing to pay higher taxes on carbon intensive activities so that's a, a carbon tax essentially a hundred percent of the members recommended that the state should act to ensure the greatest possible levels of community ownership in all future renewable energy projects. Okay, so uh, this one I like. Ninety-three percent of the members recommend that the number of bus lanes, cycling lanes, and park and ride facilities should be greatly increased in the next five years, and much greater priority should be given to the these modes of um, transport over private car use. Yeah, that's a good one, isn't it? Um, and following up on that, the uh, members recommended that the state should prioritise the expansion of public transport spending over new road infrastructure spending at a ratio of no less than two to one. Um, one that I find interesting, 89% of the members recommended that there should be a tax on greenhouse gas emissions from agriculture and there should be rewards for the farmer for land management that sequesters carbon. And any resulting revenue should be reinvested to support climate-friendly agricultural practices, which is brilliant and kind of touches on what Kenneth said the last day that a lot of a lot of government and EU money is going towards um, dairy and beef farming, and if that was redirected, it would be really easy and financially viable for for farmers to move away from that. Yeah. So they were some of the recommendations of the Citizens Assembly report. Excellent. And then the Committee on Climate Action which was a cross party committee has has signed off on has signed off on this report which will form the basis of new legislation uh so that there's a there should be new there should be a carbon tax coming in uh there's an aim for 70% of all electricity on the grid to be renewable by mm-hmm. 2030 there are plans to uh increase offshore wind infrastructure and home retrofitting and to bring down agricultural emissions and support on-farm biodiversity and to facilitate greater community involvement in transitioning to a low-carbon economy. And there are also recommendations to to change the amount of climate coverage in media. Which would be incredible, wouldn't it? That basically they're going to add more of the coverage onto news and radio so people know about it more. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, which is, is so important, which is like kind of... You one know, of the when biggest you, problems. Yeah, well, when you see the recommendations that the citizens came up with, once they were given the information, it's kind of a no-brainer that the media and the government should be doing more. Yeah. And also there's a recommendation more to embed climate into the educational curriculum. Amazing. Which is is very good. Yeah. Um, so that is great news. That's very good news. It's brilliant. And another bit of legislation that was voted on was that a majority of the doll voted to ban oil and gas drilling in Irish waters today, um, which is fantastic. Why is that fantastic? Just anybody who may not know why that'd be pretty good. Because with all these plans that we had for transitioning, like increasing renewable energies and stuff, if we were drilling for oil and gas in Irish waters, then it would be completely undoing everything. So even if it was you know, an American company or whatever that were coming and drilling for oil, then it would be technically part of Ireland's carbon... Then it would be technically part of America's carbon footprint. But actually, if it's under our control... It's we're letting And we're letting other countries uh, come in and drill then... Yeah, so it hasn't been it hasn't been passed into law yet. So there are a couple of okay. a couple of steps left. Yeah, but we will be just the fifth country to globally ban oil and gas exploration if that happens. So that's pretty good. Yeah, it will be. It would be brilliant. Uh, yeah. So it's called the Keep It in the Ground Bill, and the government voted against it, but the oppo- opposition parties and Fianna Fáil voted for it. Mm. Um. So that's. Yeah, so two really great great bits of news on yeah. a national level for Ireland. Yeah. Um, so now, hopefully... Which is good that it's coming from the government because it's as if it's reflecting what the people now want or want to yeah, change. Yeah, yeah, and it's, and it's, yeah, and there's a bit of a bit of pull coming from all, all sides now, yeah. so... so it is great news, not just good news. It is it's great, great news. news, yeah, so... Uh, so, yeah... Um, yeah, it's interesting as well because I think the more we've gotten into this, the more you see the good that's happening, which is great. Yeah, I mean, I think this is. <laughs> I don't think anything. Th- I don't think anything this good has happened at that level in Ireland in years. No, I th- it's it's so big. It's it's really it's really good. Obviously, there. L- I'm not. Sh- I'm not an expert on the steps that needs to be taken. Mm-hmm. You know, between now and and things coming into law. But there's a really good basis there for yeah. some really progressive actions, which is which is which is really which is just great. So now it's just a matter of making sure that the right information is going out, that people do get on imbo- board with it, as opposed mm. to, you know, mm, not getting on board, as opposed to people being misinformed and yeah. and opposing the introduction of a new tax and and that kind of stuff. That mm. that is the that is the worry. Um, thanks very much for listening. Um, I've been Eleanor Ryan I've been Darwin this has been episode 4 of the Carbon Neutral Lamp podcast we'll be back next week we'll be back next week where we'll have information on the footprint of our clothes and in the meantime feel free to follow us on instagram.com forward slash carbon neutral lent facebook.com forward slash carbon neutral lent and twitter.com forward slash environment good thank you very much and we will Chat to you next week. Excellent. Thank you so much, guys. Enjoy. Bye. Bye.